doubt, fear, uncertainty. Feelings like these are common to everyone. As a Christian, maybe you've even had these feelings related to your faith. At some point, perhaps you've wondered, am I really saved? If you have believed in Jesus and received him as your savior, but still doubt whether or not you're really saved, it's nearly impossible to progress in your Christian life. But here's good news. Your faith is not based on your changing feelings, but on the unchanging word of God. God doesn't want you to wish or hope or think you're saved. He wants you to know with certainty that you are. He even gives us this assurance in writing. 1 John 5.13 says, I have written these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life to you who believe into the name of the Son of God. So how does the Bible tell us we're saved? Romans 10.9 says, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you have confessed and believed, then according to God's unchanging word, the matter is settled. You are definitely and eternally saved. If you haven't, you can pray this simple prayer to the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. I receive you right now. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. Anyone who has prayed a prayer like this is a saved person. John 5:24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. By relying on the facts in God's word, you can know without a doubt that you're saved. Once you're assured of your salvation, you can build on this foundation and progress in your Christian life. Good morning, y'all. How you guys doing today? All right, all right, there we go. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's excited to be here. You guys have a good week? All right, three of you did. All right, so we're going to get right to the word today. You guys ready? All right, so we've been dealing with uh, our uh, theme is sanctification. And we have taken it to a whole nother level. And uh, we may sanctify mean you shout, sanctify mean you dance, sanctify mean you speak in tongues, sanctify mean you wear a church hat every Sunday. Sanctify means you wear a bow tie. That is not sanctification. Sanctification is when God has set you apart to be holy and to be used for his service. It's that simple, right? So some of y'all, y'all struggling with that. Like, it can't be that easy. It's that easy. And I was, I was listening to someone this week um, sing on YouTube, and he told the folks they wasn't sanctified because they didn't know the song he was singing. <laughs> And I'm like, man, that ain't, <laughs> you just singing an old song, but they don't know it. Uh, so we don't want to get to the point where we become so religious that we change and redefine what sanctification is. So we're going to go right to the text. You guys ready? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Exodus, the 19th chapter, uh, starting at verses five. We're going to read verses five and six. Afterwards, we're going to go to first Peter two and nine. Um, but let's go to Exodus 19 and 5. When you get there, say amen. If you're still looking for it, say hold up. Hold up. All right. <laughs> Johnny bought her Bible. She's like, I'm not reading on this screen. <laughs> she don't got her reading glasses. So you're telling your age now. 
<laughs> Wait, I got something at my desk. All right, you guys ready? All right, hold on, hold on. Johnny said, hold up. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. <laughs> I'll just play with you. All right, you guys ready? All right, here we go. It says, now, if you will listen to me, this is God speaking, and carefully keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although all the earth is mine. And you will be my kingdom of priests. And I'm not going to work with that too much today. Next week, we'll deal with the priesthood. And my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. First Peter 2 and 9. It says, but you are a chosen race. You got the King James Version. It says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness hey, into his marvelous light. So y'all, y'all ain't saved. Y'all, y'all, y'all know. <laughs> you got to say it like the into his marvelous light. It ain't got no power till you say it that way. Called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The title of this message is Blang Blang. <laughs> All right, the title of this message is Blang Blang. Y'all like, how in the world is he going to get Blang Blang? out of this text. So you guys ready? Let's go back to Exodus 19 and 5. Let's go back to Exodus 19 and 5 and, and let's put the text into perspective so we don't just take off. I want to lead you to how we got here. Y'all got a little time? Y'all got a little time? If you got a little time, I'm going to walk you through the scriptures to get you to this 19th chapter so I don't confuse you. You guys ready? So, there's a man nah, forget, let's go before that. So the children of Israel, y'all, y'all ever heard of them? Yeah. Children of Israel, they leave the land of, of Israel or the land of their fathers and there's, because there's a famine. This is at the, book of, the end of the book of Genesis. And they go down into Egypt. And when they go down into Egypt, watch this, it was only supposed to be for a temporary season. The purpose of them to go down to Egypt was for them to get food, for them to dwell there temporarily, And when the famine was over, they were supposed to go back home. But what happened was they got down into Egypt because Joseph put them in a land called Goshen. Goshen was one of the most fertile parts of Egypt. It was a good land. It was a good part of the land. The the soil was rich. The vegetation was good. It, It was by the rivers and by the water. So this is like a place. This is basically almost like a utopia. And now you're telling me to go back where I came from, but where I'm at, it's kind of good. I don't want to go back. I know this is supposed to be temporary, but I like where I'm at because where I'm at seems to be all right. But that's not where God designed them to be. God designed them to be in the land of Canaan. So now Pharaoh rises up, a new Pharaoh rises up, And he doesn't understand the negotiations that Joseph had with the previous administration. 
So he, he looks around and he sees all these Israelites having baby in his, babies in his land and they're reproducing and they're almost overtaking the Egyptians in their own land. So now Pharaoh has to come up with a way to stop these people from having children so that he can get this place back into being the land of the Egyptians. Watch this. He's tired of immigrants coming over into his country. And now he wants to, y'all name me names. Now he wants to build a wall. And he makes it uncomfortable for the people of Israel because this is my land and you are eating the best of my land and this land don't belong to you. This is ours. This ain't yours. Get out. So now watch this. Pharaoh gives them a strong task. He wants them to build brick out of straw. I don't know how you're going to do that. You with me? Amen. And now the children of Israel are getting uncomfortable. Y'all with me? Amen. You want to know something powerful, something strange? From the time they got from Canaan or where they were with their fathers down into Egypt, we never hear of any of them having a prayer life. We never heard of them reaching out to God. We never heard of them offering sacrifices in Egypt. They went into the culture, became acclimated with the culture, and took on the culture. And in order for God to get them back to where he designed them to be, he had to sanctify them. And he, watch this, he had to make things uncomfortable to push them back into their destiny. Are y'all with me? I'm going to go a little deep today, but I hope you guys are with me. Sometimes in order for God to make push you into your destiny, he's got to make you get uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Sometimes in order for God to push you to where he's designed you to be, he has to make you uncomfortable to where you where you are to where you finally say enough is enough and you allow him to push you where you were supposed to be. So this whole process of them being aggravated in Egypt was part of his plan. Can I go a step further? Could it be possibly that slavery was part of his plan? Because if he never made them uncomfortable, they never would have rise up and said, I'm better than this and moved into their destiny. Amen. Can I help you? Because some of y'all say, I'm tired of this job. Maybe God is making you uncomfortable. Well, all right. All right. I'm, I'm talking to somebody. Maybe God is making that supervisor get on your nerves. Because that <laughs> because that position is temporary of where God wants to take you. Maybe you're five years too long in that position. <laughs> you better help me preach. <laughs> 
That's all right. The word found her. That's right. Go ahead. Maybe, 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 maybe you have extended your time inside of a place that was only supposed to be temporary for a season. And now in order for God to get you to get to where he wants to get you, he's got to stir the pot around you. Oh, man. Maybe you're so tired of that little space, that little apartment, that little shack, that little spot, Amen. that God's got to make it uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Am I in somebody's world today? I ain't going to look at nobody. And in order for him to push you to where he's got to take you, he's making things just fall apart. Oh, help me, God. And can I help you? And sometimes when it seems like your world is falling apart and chaos is breaking out, it's the best time to say, thank you, God. Something better must be on the way. And rather than us having a pity party, we need to sit back, self-reflect, see the big picture, and understand that I wasn't supposed to be there that long anyway. So in order for them to get to Canaan, he had to get them uncomfortable in Egypt because they got too comfortable in a place that was temporary. Oh, I'm talking to some folks today. (laughs) This is what I want to hear. You talking to me. I'm talking to myself. (laughs) I'm talking to myself. Just chaos in certain areas of my life. And I'm like, what is going on? And now I'm realizing I'm better. Not that I'm arrogant. I'm confident. I know that God has better for me. I know that God has more for me. So now I look at this and I walk around and, and I recognize that this ain't where I'm supposed to be for the rest of my life. Now let me sit down and design a plan to get out of it. So God puts them into slavery, makes them uncomfortable. And finally, at the book of Exodus, the second chapter, 24th verse, the Bible says that finally they sigh for the reason of their bondage. Y'all get ready to go somewhere with that. They sigh. Somebody sigh. Listen to that. Look, look, look. They didn't say a word. They didn't say, help me, God. The Bible said they sighed for the reason of their bondage. And God heard them. Ain't that powerful? Now, sometimes you don't even got to say a word. All you got to do is shoot, shoot, shoot. I'm just like, <laughs> wait till exhale 1995. <laughs> Y'all, I'm, y'all tell how old y'all are if y'all know that song. Sometimes you gotta shoot, 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 and they shoot. And when they shoot, God heard them. And the Bible says, and he remembered the promise that, watch this, he remembered the promise that he gave Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob centuries ago. Isn't it powerful that God's design and his plan is so powerful that sometimes the promises that fall on you don't even concern you, but a promise that he promised grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Grandma prayed that you be saved. 
and you sitting in here right now acting like you just so good, that's why you came to church. Now you ain't come here because you wanted to be here. <laughs> Y'all come. Grandma praying back in 68. You weren't even born yet. But grandma prayed back in 68 that her children be saved. And it's so powerful that one day you got up and said, I want to go to church. And you aligned to God's will because something in you just shooped and put you aligned with God's purpose for your life. So God now brings them out. Now watch this. I wish I had time to take you through all the scriptures, but I don't have enough time. I can't, so I ain't. So I'm not going to take you to all those scriptures. I'm going to just tell you and you're going to believe me. <laughs> I'll read them later. Yeah, read them later. Read them later. If you want the quiet scriptures, I'll need the scriptures after church, all right? How about that? I ain't going to make up stuff, y'all. And then Moses went to Michael Jordan and said, man, we ain't going to do that. No, no, it's really in the Bible. I just don't have time to take you to every single scripture. So in order for them to get to the promise, they had to go through the desert. And, but before they could go to the desert, watch this, they had to get the stronghold of Egypt off of them. Y'all with me? Amen. In order for them to get to their promise, they had to take the stronghold of Egypt off of them. Because remember, they're still slaves and they still belong to Pharaoh. So there's three instances in the book of Exodus where Pharaoh, where Moses went to Pharaoh, asked for the people to be let go. Y'all with me? Watch this. And Pharaoh released them. Yes. Like, where that sample bio? Because I, I thought I thought when the blood was on the post of the door, that's that was the final one. But there were three instances in the book of Exodus where Moses went to Pharaoh, asked to let the people go, and Pharaoh let them go. Watch this. But with stipulation. Hmm. I'm talking slow, but I'll speed up at that. Y'all with me? Amen. Number one, children of Israel go to Moses, and Moses goes to Pharaoh, or I'm sorry, Pharaoh goes to Moses, and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, you can go, watch this, but don't go so far. Y'all with me? Amen. They said, we want to go out to worship. He says, you can go, but you can't go so far. I'm going to say it again because I'm a little slow. You can go, but you can't go but so far. So what does that tell you? It tells you that the enemy is okay with you going as long as he can keep a grip on you. And that's not freedom. The enemy is okay with y'all being here today. The devil's okay with y'all sitting in church. The devil's okay with y'all singing. The devil's okay with me preaching. The devil is okay with all this stuff right here as long as he can keep a grip on us. That's right. Amen. As long as I know that I can draw you back on Monday and get you back to your cussing, fussing self, you can do whatever you want on Sunday. And some of us are cool Christians, but we are under the subject of the devil because after we leave here at 1230, he pulls us right back in. He gave you permission to be here today, uh -huh. but he don't give you permission to worship tomorrow. Come 
He gave you permission today to raise your hands. But you better not say thank you, Jesus, for the rest of the week. He gave you permission today to read this scripture. But you better not open that Bible during the course of the week. And that's how the enemy works, because you got a whole lot of folks that sit up and they'll tell you how much Christian they are and how much church they go to and how religious they are. But that don't mean that the enemy still doesn't have a grip on their collar. That is not deliverance. Watch this. Moses could have easily took that and said, I'm delivered. And Pharaoh would have been okay with that. Because he still would have had his hand on him. But Moses remembered what God told him. I'm going to bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey into a land that I promise. And Moses could not take the offer. Moses comes back again. You with me? Am I boring y'all? Moses comes back again. And when Moses comes back again, he says, God said, let my people go. Watch this. Pharaoh says, y'all can go. Go ahead. But leave your children behind. And some of y'all be like, woo, (laughs) bye-bye. I'm free. (laughs) I'm free. Praise the Lord, I'm free. No longer bound. All right, y'all ain't seen it. Y'all know that song? So he's a, Pharaoh would let them go, watch this, but their children had to stay in Egypt. What does that tell you? That if they would have got out there, they would have worshipped, but when they would have died, who would have kept it going? It's cool for you to go to church. But the devil ain't cool with your children accepting Christ. Amen. Because if they accept Christ, now he has another generation he has to deal with. That's right. So he'll let you go to church, but keep the babies at home. I don't want them to worship. I don't want them to hear this gospel. Because if they hear this gospel, now I got another generation of what I got to deal with. Can I go a step further? Amen. There's a whole lot of folks that go to church but have left a generation behind. You better tell us. Amen. And when the pastor dies, and when the members die, the church dies. That's right. Because there wasn't a generation set up to keep the church going. Amen. So now the church just gets old. The youth pastor's 89. <laughs> they doing old events. Saturday, the young people, we going to Atlantic City. I'm going to ask everybody 69 and under to bring some quarters for the slots. Whole church old. No relating. No discipling. No building. No drawing a new generation. And the devil is okay with that. Because when you die, I don't have a generation to deal with. It's a problem if Hope Haven dies with us and we don't disciple these children to keep the gospel going forward. So Pharaoh is okay with the children of Israel, that first generation going, but he's not okay 
with them instructing their children about God. Amen. And we find another issue later on in the scriptures. In the book of Joshua. And in the book of Joshua, Moses dies. And Joshua has the responsibility of taking the next generation in with him. But he turns around and recognizes that they don't know God. How do they not know God? Watch this. They have not kept his covenant. Are y'all with me? Amen. What was the covenant? You got to go back to Genesis. Abraham had covenant with God in Genesis 17. And when the covenant, God gave him the covenant of circumcision. I ain't trying to get nasty and crazy. Because it was deeper than just cutting off, you know, the excess of flesh. I'll keep it as clean as I can. But circumcision actually symbolized the cutting of the excess of flesh. Because if you did not cut that excess of flesh, then you're in church, but you're full of flesh. And when Joshua gets to the brink of going into the promise, he turns around and recognizes that there's a whole generation with flesh issues. And if we go into the promise with our issues, we won't stay there long. So the Bible says Joshua has to get knives. And before he takes them in, he has to circumcise that whole generation, young and old, so that they don't go in with their church hurt. With their past and what mama and daddy did to me back in Egypt. With the drama. Of everything that we heard growing up. No, no. In order for me to go in, I got to be cut. And the Bible says, and also given a few days to heal. Because there's no reason for you to be going into the promise hurting. You got to be cut of your issues and you have to heal of your issues before God takes you to another step in your life. Are y'all with me? So Moses recognizes. Nah, 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 that ain't it. I can't go in and not take my children. So he says the deal is off. Comes back a third time. I'm getting to the 19th chapter. Comes back the third time. You know, with me? And when he comes back the third time, Pharaoh says, all right, you can go now. You can take your children. But you can't take your cattle, your cows, your lamb, your ram, all that. You got to leave that behind. Sounds like a good deal, don't it? I can go. My children can go. We can go as far as we want. But we got to leave our livestock behind. Sounds like a decent plan, but there's a problem. If I leave my livestock behind, let's do the obvious. What are we going to eat? Ain't going to be no neck bones and rice. Ain't going to be no liver. Look, look, y'all, black folks know how to eat everything, everything, it all, the pig nose, the snout, the feet, all right, y'all just say hog mogs, all of them, they didn't eat pork, I'm just playing, but they had to leave their stuff behind, so obviously number one is where they going to eat, but obviously number two is how are they going to sacrifice, what are you going to offer to God if your livestock has been your past? Remember, they had to offer up a sacrifice without spot or blemish as an offer of thanks to God. But if they leave it behind, what are they going to offer God? And that's how the enemy is. He's cool with you going to church. He's cool with your children coming here. 
But he's not cool with you worshiping. He wants you to leave your worship at home. That's why I think that praise fell today. Because it was a sign to the enemy that we didn't leave our praise in the car. We brought our sacrifice into place. And we are completely liberated and free in Christ. And he goes back and tells Pharaoh no. And Pharaoh says, I don't want to see you no more. And Moses says, fine. And finally, God gives him an instruction. He tells everybody, get us land without spot or blemish. I'm going to make it quick. Uh, Kill it, sacrifice it, put the blood on the post of the door because at midnight I'm going to send a spirit of death and I'm going to kill the firstborn of anyone that does not have the blood on the post of their door. And at midnight, the spirit of death came and everybody that had the blood on the post of their door from Israel, their firstborn survived. But when it affected Pharaoh's house, Pharaoh said, get out. Uh-huh. And now they got out. And when they got out, they went across the Jordan and Pharaoh's army began to drown in the Red Sea. And they get going to walking towards their promise. And God was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he did all of these miracles. And now we get to the 19th chapter. And God says, you thought all that was good. I still got more. Woo! Can you imagine? This is what's what's so powerful about God. Is that God has done so much for every single person in here. And yet, he says, I still have more for you. This ain't the end, y'all. So he says, guess what? You see what I've already done. But if you listen to me and carefully keep my covenant, you will be my own what? Possession. Possession. Translated in the Hebrew means my secret treasure. You will be my Rolex. You will be my bling bling. Y'all with me? Watch this. Out of all the peoples, all over earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests. Now watch this. You will be my own possession. You will be my treasure. You will be my bling out of all the peoples. Meaning, I got a whole bunch of other people, but you're going to be special. I got a whole lot of other articles of clothing. But you're going to be my main blame. Can I take it back, Johnny? Can help me? Remember the first day of school? Some of y'all are like, no, nah, that was 30, 50 years ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I still remember. Remember when you went back to school shopping? Some of y'all are like, nah. All right, well, some of us went back to school shopping. And I remember the thing that we had to do. I know I drive my parents crazy. Is you had to take me to find a pair of sneakers that I knew nobody else would have on the first day of school because I had to kill them. Y'all, I had to kill them on the first day of school, y'all. All right, y'all, y'all, y'all. I had to find those Jordans in a color that nobody else had. And I know I drove my parents. Or the Harachis or the Bo Jacksons or the Barclays. I had to have something. Because I knew... That I gotta come in there fresh to death, at least on the first day. (laughs) And you got that prized possession. I don't know if y'all did this, but you lay in the bed at night and you just look at them. And you be like, yo, I am going to kill them with these on tomorrow. Wait till they see me rock these. 
<laughs> some Ewings. <laughs> Something. <laughs> you don't even know what Ewings are? Help her, Jesus. <laughs> I had all white Ewings. <laughs> I always wanted the blue and the orange ones. How many of y'all remember the felines with the strap? You took them and you put the strap in the back and let it hang when you walked around. You just, you just knew you was bad. All right, I'm talking to some of y'all who grew up in the 80s and 90s. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Killed them. And on that first day of school, you walked in and everybody looking at everybody's shoes, but when they seen your Barclays, woo! <laughs> You killed them on that first day. That's what we are. We are God's prized possession. We are his Rolex. I don't know if you ever see somebody that has something, something nice. See, we ain't that kind of church here. But y'all know back in the day, you know, you dress up for Easter. You had to make sure everybody seen your suit. You can't wait for offering to kill them. Yeah, y'all cry. <laughs> You had the all white suit on, and you like, yo, mom, can I get a dollar? Yo, <laughs> I know you see me, Pastor. <laughs> you are, you are God's prized possession. He has a whole lot of other peoples. He has a whole lot of other articles of clothing. But us, as the sanctified, we've been set apart so that when they see us, we show off the glory of God like no one else. So it is our assignment, and I'm almost done, to make sure that we stay shining. Y'all with me? Yeah. It's our assignment to make sure that we stay blinging because we represent the best part of God. Is this making sense? I want God to showcase me off and say he's killing them. Joel is my spiritual Jordans. Somebody else is his Rolex or his Roly. Somebody else is his real chain, like the fake Jesus piece with the red eyes out of glass. No, you the real deal. Each one of us are his prized possession. And it is our assignment, y'all with me, to make sure that we're sanctified. Every time you're washing yourself, every time, I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually. Every time you're washing yourself with that word and you're cleansing yourself out, you are making yourself a fresh vessel that is God cannot wait to show off to the rest of the world. Do you guys remember the book of Job? Book of Job, y'all read the book of Job? Some of y'all like, that's too many chapters. You read the first chapter at least. I know everybody read the first chapter of every book in the Bible. In the book of Job, in the book of Job, y'all with me? In the book of Job, the Bible says that the sons of God presented themselves before God. And it says, and Satan came in the room. And God looked at Satan and said, what are you doing here? And he says, I am to and fro, found the face of the earth, seeking, basically seeking who I may devour. And God says, have you considered my servant, Job? What he was saying was, do you see the bling on Job? And Job was shining so bad, so awesomely, that Satan said, yeah, I seen him. 
But you must have a hedge of protection about him. Take the hedge off of him, and I guarantee you that he'll curse you to, his, to your face. A calamity broke out in Job's life. He lost his wife. I'm not his wife. He lost his children. He lost his cattle. He lost his home. He lost everything. And the Bible says that Job laid there and said, naked did I come into the earth, and naked will I leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Later on in the scripture, he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Because I recognize that all of the outward stuff don't mean nothing if my soul ain't right with God. So closing here, y'all. So now we go to the book of 1 Peter 2 and 9. Because what happened was, in the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament, they stopped blaming. They had the outward appearance. But they stopped sanctifying themselves internally. Their sacrifices became nothing more but just a thing that they have to do every week, every year. And God no longer honored their sacrifices. And now the world became in such a sinful state and in such a sinful nature that the world became darkened by sin. And God had to send his son Christ to die on the cross for us. And when he died, he became that sacrificial lamb back in Exodus all over again. Released us from the depths of sin and the pits of hell. And he now gave us freedom again. So now that was under the old, but now under the new, Peter comes back in the New Testament after Jesus and tells us that we got to get it right this time. We are a chosen generation or, or a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people for his. We are his blame. So that, watch this, we are his blame. I'm, I'm doing this in modern day terms so y'all can get it. We are his blame. So that you may proclaim the praise of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. We now are his blame. And it is our assignment to make some noise through praises. To show off that we are a prized possession of God. We're not showing off amongst each other. We're showing off to the world that I've been washed, cleansed, sanctified so that the world can see that I am one of God's prized possessions. Amen. And when you become one of God's prized possessions, he has no problem showing you off. He has no problem exposing you. He has no problem putting you in new doors and in new places in your life because he knows wherever he puts you, you're going to glorify him and you're not going to make him ashamed. Amen. Let us all shine. Now let, Amen. let us all recognize this week, remember this week, that I'm God's blame. I'm just saying this and leaving, you know, somebody gonna be like, what? I, I don't use them terms. Y'all know what I'm saying. When you go to work, I gotta act right. 
because I'm showcasing his glory. When I'm amongst my friends, I got to act right because I'm his glory. When I'm in certain circles, I can't behave like the rest of them. I got to shine right because I'm part of his possession. And when you start shining, those that are in darkness, they're going to see your bling and they're going to know what can I do to shine like that. And now that gives you an opportunity to share with them the power of sanctification. Did that make sense today? Yes. Praise God, y'all. Thank you. Um, I just want to have a special word of prayer today for uh, anyone that we're just dealing with sanctification. Saying, I, I just need God to just wash me with his word. You know who you are. Just stand to your feet right where you are. I just need God to, I want to shine, I want to bling, but there's some, some discrepancies and some things I got to get off of me so that I can showcase his glory. You can stand to your feet right where you are. We all need it, amen. We all need it. I ain't telling you to stand, but we all need it. Every once in a while, I need God to cleanse some stuff because I want to make sure that I represent him right when I walk out on these streets. I want to make sure that I represent him right when I'm on my job. I want to make sure that I'm shining properly when I'm in certain situations. And we're just going to pray a word of prayer right now. Father, we thank you. Thank you for every single person on the side of my breath, God. We thank you, Lord, for this word on today, God. But most importantly, God, we thank you, Lord, for saving our souls. We ask, God, that you touch our hearts, God. Purify us. Purify our minds. Purify our hearts. God, purify our eyes. Allow us, God, to see clearly, God. Open our hearts, God. Open our minds, God. God, help those of us that have been in temporary places too long. Push us into our destiny. No matter how uncomfortable it is, God, we know you got us. God, shake it up. Push us into our destiny. And don't allow us to get stagnant again. But allow us to, God, flow with your word and flow with, God, your design and your purpose for us, God. And God, we thank you. And we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.